0: When we have a story that's holding us back, we find social proof all around us that tells us it's the truth, right? You talk to your aunt who says, "Yeah, hey, listen, rich people get to do those things, we don't. You just play it safe. And all of a sudden, subconsciously, you're like, oh, maybe that story's right. So you have all these years of, sometimes years, months, weeks, whatever it is, you have the story, and then you only collect the data that supports the story, so your subconscious can be okay with playing small. Welcome to the Dean Graziosi Show. All success, Starts right here.
1: I'm rewriting my story, but it doesn't feel real. What advice do Mm -hmm. you have for them?
0: Um, Rewriting my story and it doesn't feel real. Of course it doesn't feel real because you've been living the old story so long, all change is, is, uh, you know, all change freaks people out whether they believe that they like change or not. And I think not only been telling yourself the story so long, is when you tell yourself a bad story, we look for things. Do you, you ever have something bug you like everybody does and you Google it and you find all the negative stuff like, oh my God, I got, I got cancer, I have, I, have, you know, it's, I have a tumor, right? It's the same thing with, with our insides, right? When we have a story that's holding us back, we find social proof all around us that tells us it's, it's the truth, right? You talk to your aunt who says, Yeah, that, hey, listen, rich people get to do those things, we don't. You just play it safe and all of a sudden subconsciously you're like, oh, maybe that story's right. So you have all these years of sometimes years, months, weeks, whatever it is. You have the story and then you only collect the data that supports the story so your subconscious can be okay with playing small.
1: What I love in in your real life story is that it wasn't like you were saying, oh, this epiphany, I look up, the stars align. It was, okay, you have the trouble with your dad and his uh, most recent divorce. Yeah, looks like everything's collapsing. You get it back. It's going in the right direction. We're winning again. This is incredible. Yeah. And then you make a deal to sell your car flipping business, Yeah, and then that goes to hell. Yeah. And in that moment, the, the story comes rushing back of maybe everybody was right. Maybe I wasn't smart enough. Absolutely. And so that... In fact, you just posted this on your Instagram, I thought it was so brilliant. It was the life of an entrepreneur and it showed this like, I'm winning everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I screwed up shit, and I really yeah, suck. Yeah. Oh, I'm winning again. Yeah, I've got this figure. And it just like this back and forth, back and forth. How did you, when you thought, oh I've overcome this, I've got the empowering story and then it all falls apart again, yep. the inner villain as you call it, like starts speaking up. How did you deal with it the second time around? Was it easier, was it harder?
0: I think it was harder. It was harder because it was bigger. Because, so the story, just so you said, I, I went, I, got, I, I ended up, after that I worked in, in that little garage, I was working on one car, my story changed, I started getting powered two cars, three cars, I went to the, the woman who owned the collision shop my dad had rented for her, Mrs. Mary Lapresti. she was a great old lady, uh, elderly lady, and we became friends and she sold me the collision shop with no money down. Wow. So I bought the collision shop my dad lost, I named it Dean Collision Center. I took the Paul off. I was mad at my dad. So I I named it Dean Collision Center. I bought it and I started and I got Enterprise Rent-A-Car Account. I got Hertz Rent-A-Car Account. We went from this rinky-dink collision shop to a successful collision shop. Started buying and flipping more houses. And then in the late 90s, I wanted to teach people how I made money with cars. I used to wholesale cars. If you ever went and traded in a car and they give you a low price, I'd run ads in the classified. said, hey, if you're getting a low offer... Uh, call me, I'll sell your car for you. And then I'd match buyers and sellers and make money in the mill. So I created a course called Motor Millions and I'd watch Tony Robbins on infomercials and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I put all the money I had together, hit credit cards and I filmed my first infomercial in 1999 and I sold a course called Motor Millions and uh, went on TV and was literally running Motor Millions, my education business, out of the collision shop. Like I had three phones on the desk and, oh no, that's the, that's the Motor Millions (laughs) phone. And uh... And uh, we ramped up, and I had no idea what I was doing. I knocked on a lot of doors and finally rolled out on TV and probably got to a $10 million-a-year company, you know, the trials and error of figuring it out, right? A lot of mistakes because I had no idea what I was doing. And I was about three years into that, and I wanted to teach everybody real estate. And I had somebody come in and offer to buy Motor Millions. Uh, And they... uh, they took the company and came in like, hey, you're running like a mom and pop. We're going to turn it into a company. And they blew the company up. I mean, like in nine months, like as fast as you could blow a company up, they blew it up. And, uh, and I remember when they were making all these changes, I remember thinking, well, I'm not that smart. These guys are smarter than me. So they're probably doing it right, even though it didn't feel right. So long story short, the company went belly up, but my name was attached to it. And they didn't pay refunds to people who bought my courses and stuff. So I went to court and literally took back the debt and then I, over the next two years, I paid off 100% of the people who had bought, even though they bought through the company who bought it. My bills were ridiculous, and all of a sudden cash flow was shut off immediately, and I'm fighting to take back a dead company. Like It was like I gave them a, a thoroughbred that was ready to grow, and they broke its legs and gave it back to me, and I had to fight and pay to take it back, and then pay it off, and, and I thought I was going to lose it. And, and those limiting beliefs at a different level came back and said, ah, see, you didn't go to college, you didn't study enough. You weren't smart enough to own a ten million dollar a year company. You weren't smart enough to negotiate right. What do you think you're doing? Get this paid off. Go back. To, literally, I was thinking, go back to Marlboro. Go back to just real estate, the car business. You could make yourself three hundred grand a year. Like literally, those beliefs came in all over again. And I would, I would bet to say, what did it for me then was two things: is I started thinking back of all the things that I went through, and it was just as painful when I was broke getting my first deal done. Get broke, living in, in a bathroom. Or broke in that garage, going to the collision shop. And I realized that it doesn't matter how many zeros are at the end or how big your company is. The pain is still there. And if you have the ability to get through a death, get through a hard time, get through something horrible in your life, you have the same ability. And you'd probably agree this: when your company's got you know three zeros or nine zeros or ten zeros, it does like the the stress and the worry is almost the same if you look back. It's just, you're just handling bigger problems, and I think, I, think, I mean, you wanna upgrade your life, upgrade your problems, right? But, but I think that's what got me through, is I, I literally looked back and said, wow, I thought I was dead then, I wasn't. I thought I wasn't gonna make it there, I did. And I started this mantra, if I can get through this shit, I can get through anything. And I remember I would just walk and I would say it, oh, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. This is my time. This is my purpose. This is my calling. I went from the worst time of my life to being empowered and motivated and the energy just, I took my team with me. They felt the energy. They felt the motivation and and we just blew right through to another level. That's really incredible.
1: You have this concept of protect your confidence. I've never heard anybody say it like that before. Why is that so important?
0: Well, Because I think. I mean, in all the big decisions you've had to make along your way, have you ever made a good decision when your confidence was down? No. Once. Like, can you say, I walked in, my head was down, your, your physiology's <laughs> changed, you're like a little nervous. Like, you just don't make good decisions when your confidence is down. And, and, and I don't think it's like we're either confident or not confident. I think it's like if, if confidence is 100%, if our confidence is 95%, we play smaller. I know with me, like the big opportunities come. If I'm not in that like space, I'm like, you know what, guys, let's just, let's hold, let's not, like, I won't make smart decisions. So I think, I think we have to do everything in our power to protect our confidence. So that, that theory of protecting your confidence has been, has been a, a, a major thing in my head always. In fact, I have a, you know, we all have our own morning routines, not, maybe not everybody, but I have a morning routine that I have to do to get me to play. And the way I look at it is play offense. The day, not play defense with lower confidence. What
1: does that look like?
0: Um, I've tried a lot of variations, and for me, it's if I immediately when I wake up, I can't check my phone. In fact, I put it on airplane mode and I move it. I got that from Ariana Huffington, who's amazing, and she's like, Is your phone still by your bed? She goes, Airplane mode on the other side of the room, you know? Um, So that, and then I just know so many people roll over and grab their phone, and to me that's like Russian roulette. You put a bullet in the gun and you mm-hmm. spin it. It's like, what if the email says the deal didn't happen, numbers are down, life's not working out. Like, and immediately for me, it's like you open up and, and this little box is going to dictate the first couple hours or maybe the whole day by what you see. So I just, I just won't look at my phone when I first wake up. Um, so but when I first open my eyes, this is all and, and I like doing things quick for me because I want to get to the gym because the only time of day I'll go if I try to wait till the afternoon, it doesn't work for me. So as soon as I wake up, I immediately try to think of something I'm grateful for, which everybody knows that and thinks about it. But I've I play this game of myself on how far I can lower the bar, meaning I, I try to do a gratitude journal about three years ago. And after about five weeks, I ran out of stuff to say. I'm like, I already wrote my kids and this and life like what did I put in here. Like, I, I don't, and then I was like, wow, 150,000 people die every single day. You can Google it, that's the number. It's like, some days I wake up, I'm just like, I'm here, awesome. And I I feel that silly little thing like I'm here. Or, or I'll be like, oh my God, the sheets feel softer than they've ever felt. And I'll literally think to myself, these sheets are really good. Like, what, a third of the world sleeps on, the, on a dirt floor? And I have sheets and an amazing bed and look at the view I have? And that's enough, just because the way I know it is I'm just just tweaking my brain enough to be in a grateful place. It doesn't have to be this, for me, and you guys might have better practices. I'm not talking about a half hour gratitude meditation. I just need one little thing, or I pick up a book if I'm reading one of the books that you have on the shelf, I'll pick and I'll just pick three sentences and read something empowering, and I'll get that state of mind from my brain. And then I think about one win I had the day before. Because I know as entrepreneurs, as somebody searching for success, we never give ourselves credit, we never treat a friend, the way we treat ourselves. It's like, I know I've had days I've gone till 10 o'clock at night and go, Man, I got nothing done today. It was the biggest lie. Like, we beat ourselves up. We just were, were like these racehorses. We wouldn't even treat a racehorse that we owned as bad as we treat ourselves, right? So I wake up and I'll, I'll do a quick little gratitude and they'll say, What was one win yesterday that I accomplished? And I'm like, Wow, you did do that yesterday. And then I'll think of one win I want to do that day. Like, what? I'm going to need a million things done today, but what's a must today that would be a great win? And then for me, then I immediately Go downstairs in my house, and I drink. Uh, I felt like I fed my my mind, and then I don't want to feed my body. So for me, I've been doing the same drink forever. I do apple cider vinegar, lemon, MCT oil, a scoop of green powder, and uh, mix that up, and I down that. And then I immediately got to go to the gym. If you like today's podcast, then you're gonna love being a part of my texting community. What's that mean? You could text me right now at 480. 480- Four hundred ninety nineteen, or it should be below right here. And it comes directly to my phone. It doesn't go to my team. It comes to me. I've been absolutely loving the interaction. I send out some cool things. About once a week, I text nothing but things to get your week going, to get your mind thinking. And when we have new videos and things like that, I always text my community first. It has absolutely been a blast. And I'd love for you to do it right now. Text me. 480 49019 Do it. Text me.